Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to Propaganda. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk slash the square ball. Where's Dan? Where, As Massimo <laughs> might say. Who are you? I'm still Michael. In the wrong seat. Also here is Rob in my seat. And Moscow who has got a paper airplane that he's Missed throwing. Of a cock and balls. A, a cock and balls on a paper yeah. airplane. I've that got, is how professional we're being. I've got very supply teacher mode. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Moylan lets us have lessons outside. Can we go outside? I'm going to be the supply teacher that gets sacked for throwing a bunch of keys at someone. That's <laughs> happened at my school. <laughs> he might not have even been a supply teacher. He might have been one of the main ones anyway. <laughs> Took a big old bunch of keys at the back of someone because they won't stop talking. Oh, the back. I mean, that's couldn't do a lot of damage. Cheap. That's a cheap shot, though. It was off the head as well. They were just it? talking, so he just wanged at them. Yeah. And the teachers tend to have a big bunch of keys, a lot of doors. Mm. That was the thing. That was the thing. Anyway. It was and, fine back in your day, though, wasn't it? Ah, it was all part of the fun. <laughs> he was sacked for not throwing them hard enough. <laughs> you, you were lucky. You got a bunch of keys. I'm not that old, I promise you. Anyway, this is where we're going to hear what Leeds fans have been saying about that game. And we also hear about average scores, Moscow. Yes. Am I introducing these? You might, they're your average scores. They're not my average scores because I would have been much more generous. <laughs> Especially to, uh, I feel bad for Pat Bamford. Is I think the um, the cost of going off injured has got him down to 4.72. Our TSB Plus members rated him. They get sent um, a form and the opportunity to send us questions and stuff. And yeah, they do a player rater now. Which if you're going to be mean about Pat Bamford every week, we're just going to stop. Because <laughs> he could have done better with those chances. We know this, um, but it's not his fault. His groin hurt. So 4.72 for him. He did do... Yeah, he was the lowest of the players. Christensen is probably the other headline with a 4.93. And Jesse Marsh. Well, I was just going to say, Adams and Rocker seem to be, they're very 6-7 and seven in both games so far. Harrison, I thought, was worth a little bit more than a, a 7.32. But um, yeah, so the, the two big headlines, though, are Jesse Marsh after last week's 8 out 7. of 10. 7.99. 8. <laughs> Uh, is down to 3.95. What are you rounding that down to? Two. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we'll call that four. We'll be generous. We'll, we'll call it four. But yeah, he's managed to half his score in a week. So two next week. <laughs> but the, uh, the player of the match, though, was Rodrigo. 8.1. So probably uh, deserved on the balance. And I guess, yeah, there's a lot of, I suppose, yeah, the first question is whether it was a disappointing result. And it was a disappointing result. But, you know, 
We did get to two nil up. I think that's the thing. We with were Jesse, all right with Jesse Skull. That's why it's maybe a little bit harsh because if we come back from two down to get a point, he probably gets seven. But it was Southampton who did that, though, wasn't it? It's the same result. It seems unfair. To, it just depends which order he did it, and he did it right to begin with. Aston Huttle did it right in the end, mm. and they drew. Yeah, so that's fair. I think it's um, as we'll hear from a lot of people and from Marsh himself. It, the general opinion is that doing something might have changed something. Yeah, we'll hear from TJ first. Thank you for sending your clips in, by the way. There were, after only getting about five or six last week, more than we can get through, including one from uh, from Cowgirl, which we can hear later on. My impression was not 100% accurate, as it turns out. We'll see. But here's what well, TJ... We'll be the judge of that. Here's what TJ had to say. I don't want to blow out your audio levels, but this is why we can't have nice things. Seriously, though, if you'd offered me a draw before the game, I'd have taken it. It was a much better performance than the same fixture last season. I'm very pleased to see Rodrigo in his new role as the smiling front post assassin. Sounds a little bit like Keith from The Office. You remember Keith? Anyway. Immediately straight in people's voices. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the, positive, the, the positives, to like the starting points are that we've played Wolves and Southampton, looked good in both games, scored four and we got to two nil up which was a struggle um last season and then against Wolves you know we had to come from behind so it was better in that sense and we looked better than them but aren't Wolves and Southampton both terrible no I think this is this is kind of evidence of your theory that finishing 14th is going to make everyone miserable Mm. because throwing away at Southampton is kind of what you do if you finish 14th you know like first season we're back in the Premier League we won there relatively comfortably mm. we finished ninth because so that's what a top half team does last year we got there and got we went there and got battered because that's what happens if you're in real trouble whereas this year we've gone there got a draw should have won a bit disappointed but also I think we're also kind of scarred from last season in that as much as we're joking on the match ball about oh we've been four, we're fourth or four points above the relegation zone we are counting every point aren't mm. we this season it's like now we've got that magic figure of getting to eight after five games we're, we're already sort of starting on that, aren't we? I'm looking at other teams' points as well, like Palace getting a point at Liverpool, and I'm thinking, that's not a point I had them down for. <laughs> yeah. They're not allowed that. That's going to be problematic for us. And for momentum, when we've got Chelsea next, it just would have been nice to go into that with two wins. Wouldn't it? And it's almost like the, the disappointment is generated by how close we came to winning it. So it's a product of playing well. If we'd been crap and drawn 0-0, 1-1, then there would be less... Um, gnashing of teeth than there is but there is just that sense of uh, of having thrown it away and there is also the the factor of Jesse Marsh being if you are giving him a, a new sort of slate to go from this season then the jury is out to say right come on impress us and after being impressive against Wolves with his changes this was just kind of a bewildering match from his point of view He's only had a bad half hour this season hasn't he? Yeah That's the way you've got to see it It's mainly been good although Martin has got in touch and I actually feel a bit bad for Jesse on this. Martin's got a really stern dad voice and I feel um, I feel like I'm being told off. Jesse Marsh has got to take responsibility for two points lost today. In his pre-match, he talked about managing the team, managing the heat, etc. He left his substitutions too late. We were clearly under pressure. He should have made changes earlier. The team played well. We got a point, but we lost two. And those two lost a down to Jesse Marsh. Sorry. <laughs> Go to bed. No tea. I think we should game in at half time and full time just to talk really frankly with them. You've let yourself down, Jesse. 
that well, that is actually that puts it really well because there's not really the only comparison here. Hassan Hurtle in his post match was crowing about how well his substitutions went and was like, "Yeah, I really thought bringing on the fresh players uh, changed the game for me." But with with Marsh in this match, it's a weird thing of why it's almost you're comparing him with himself because he is a, a big proponent of five substitutions. Um, he's very happy about that coming in because it gives him tactical flexibility and he can manage minutes for everybody. So he's on record saying all that. And then last week we saw him use substitutions really well and how that had a positive impact on the game. So we know he can do that. That's a, a thing that he does. And before this match, he was talking about how in the heat, he said, I think this is a moment where five subs, if we use them the right way, can be really impactful and helpful into the match. And then during the game, we are watching Southampton making substitutions in a heat wave, bringing it all on. And he just doesn't. And then at the end, he's even saying there were some changes I had in my mind, but I wasn't sure it was necessary. And if I could do it again, I would have made the changes I made with Click and Louis earlier. And it's just kind of why didn't Jesse Marsh do the stuff that Jesse Marsh really loves doing is kind of the weird question. It's I, like it's like a Rod Rizani with the kettle there saying, oh, if I'd have just gone there 10 days earlier. Don't tell us that, yeah. just go. And, also, and he loves signing players. He would have loved to do it. So it's kind of, and Marsh loves making substitutions. <laughs> he thinks they're a really useful, great thing. And yet, you know, he talked about bringing on, um, uh, the part of the, the problem was, a lack of sort of maturity and inexperience. And that's why he brought Adam Forshaw on. And Adam Forshaw did really well at helping us see out the result. He brought him on in the 88th minute when it was already 2-2. It's a good idea, but just where was this, why wasn't there this decisiveness on a day when it seemed much more, um, I guess the credit against Wolves was that nobody necessarily would have predicted that bringing matches click on would have had the brilliant impact it had. So you're like, well done for seeing that when nobody else was seeing it. In this case, everybody could see that on a day like that, he, the way the momentum, fresh players, even if it was not a change of formation or something, just players who were fresher would have been helpful. And it's just weird he didn't do it. It's just a strange one. I don't know if he sort of thought, because he did change the formation, he did just do little tweaks like moving Dan James to the wing. I don't know if he thought, oh, all right, well, I've done mm. something. Let's wait, but it but it was it seemed too obvious that what he actually just needed was a bit of energy, yeah. Rather than try to be too clever about moving players in different positions or changing formation and having Jackie Harrison at left wing and we, back. We struggled to get into the game when the subs came on. I thought, but that's because the, the shape of it had already changed. But then when we did get the ball towards the end, you saw Click put Rodrigo through. Mm, yeah, I think the start of that move, Sinistera did something quite good in the centre circle as well. He kind of got the ball out of his feet, turned away from some people. So it was frustrating to see that right at the end and think could have just had this. Mm. But I, I mean, it's hard to make changes at a point you're winning a game and winning a game comfortably because I don't think any of us saw it coming, in fairness, the, when, mm-hmm. the, when they scored the first goal and the two goals did come close together. So maybe you think, well, I'll just let it settle after the first goal and maybe it'll be all right. And then pretty soon it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I think it also, there's a factor because the changes Southampton made, it was moving back to the formation that Marsh has used loads at Salzburg. So we knew exactly what, Hassan Hurtle was doing going 4-2-2-2 and not being able to counteract that and then he did say he thought that by going five at the back it would work but then also I didn't like the singling out of Jackie Harrison for not blocking that pass because one I thought it was a brilliant pass two before the ball even gets that situation you've got Christensen gets beaten to the ball really easily and then 
Adams and Rocker are both quite slow getting to stop the move as the ball goes across. And that's why you just think, well, maybe if it was um, Greenwood and Forshaw in there, just they who hadn't played already 70 minutes in a heat wave, maybe they would have been faster to the ball because Adams and uh, and um, Rocker were just knackered by that point and so were a bit off it. And so um, of all that stuff to then go like, well... And then I know we didn't have a recognised left-back, but if we're trying to go more defensive... Kielder could have come on and you put and you stick with Stroke as a defensive left back for five at the back instead of trying to shoehorn Jackie Harrison in there who, you know, I don't know how many times somebody's played a through ball in behind him, but it's not what he's used to. So it all just seemed it seemed like the solutions, I mean, who was it? Nicola uh said um, you know, Jack Harrison's one of our fittest players, and even he hadn't got the legs to get back for the second goal. And Ruber's my fish would have known to make a sub when it's hot and everyone is tired. <laughs> and it's sort of putting it that that simply, it was hot. Everyone it was, was it tired. Was very hot. You mentioned 4 2 2 2 the 2 2 there. Mm-hmm. So let's hear from Liant Cheese. I didn't know what to expect of the biannual Red Bull clash of Cox formations or docking derby, as it's more subtly known. Uh, but that game had three points written all over it for Leeds. And I think lack of well timed uh, impact subs killed the game for us. It's a bit odd, though, because I'm pretty sure that Marsh was a big fan of having five substitutes, so to not use one of them on one of the hottest days of the year absolutely baffles me. Uh, anyway, though, I will take four points from the first two games, and knowing that Tuchel's banned for the Chelsea game, I think it's a massive positive. Was it you who called it the docking derby, first of all? I may have introduced that to the... Yeah. The world of docking. Yes. I'm going to have to flag this with some new stuff on YouTube when it goes on. It asks you if you've got... <laughs> profanity and adult content and drugs references and stuff. I'm not sure if, what, what docking falls into. Well, I'm just looking forward to the conversation we're going to have in Propaganda Extra around these <laughs> themes that you you have prepared for us to discuss. The people have sent in loads of penis-related stuff. I think it's because we keep mentioning it, probably, and it's, people have just got cock on the mind. It's a very unvirtuous circle. So the defending did go wrong, and people are blaming Rasmus Christensen, it seems. Mm. Have we found our early scapegoat? Is he, is he desperate for Furpo to get back? <laughs> this is what Soup has to say. A bit interested in what you think about Rasmus Christensen. You know, if that was Junior Furpo doing um, what he did over the last couple of games, although he made a great tackle, um, I think he'd be getting a lot of stick, but he's not now. Also, a bit gutted uh, for old Brendan, the Steph Curry of uh, soccer, getting his assist nicked away from him by Pascal Strauch. Disgusting. <laughs> It's funny, with Rodrigo scoring goals, I've not thought about who our scapegoat is because mm. we've loaned Roberts mm. out, Firpo's injured. I think I was just banking on Rodrigo and Firpo still. <laughs> I mean, there, there is still, uh, we are coming on to Rodrigo, but there is still a feeling that we can just scapegoat him in. <laughs> Be top scorer in the Premier League and nobody will. Yeah, but what's he actually nobody... doing? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe... But uh, with Rasmus, I mean, you were straight onto him at full time on the match ball, weren't you? Was I? I can't remember. Yeah, pretty much the first thing he said was basically, is, is Rasmus Christensen terrible? <laughs> I think the problem was that he missed that header, which was a good chance. He kind of, he just got ahead of it a bit, didn't he? So mm. he was craning his neck back. But it is one of those ones where you think if Furpo had done that, people might be clipping that up and going, what on earth is this? But he does score those goals. I've, I remember watching some YouTube clips of him and he does score headers. He scores loads of goals, actually, doesn't he, for a fullback? Yeah. He can still be good. Does he, does he stop any at any point? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's not what he's in the team for. Come on, <laughs> yeah, concerning myself with that. He is well. I mean, there's some truth in that. We do uh, the formation kind of does hang the fullbacks out to dry, and if they can't get back in time, it's quite difficult. But the uh, Mike, who 
sent a comment in said he's not the beast we thought he was and is at fault for all three goals we've conceded. He does put then put a question mark. So it's like there's there's a bit of doubt. But yeah, he's not quite there's always a problem with for a player as well when you arrive with a bit of like hype that he did. Like he's gonna be he is the beast. Um the hard man coming from Denmark to knock everybody out and then you see him play and there's none of it. Should he kick someone in the chest in the Barnsley game, as as Berardi did, to establish hard man credentials early on? Because we've not seen any of that, have we, so far? Absolutely. I mean, Berardi kind of went the other way. All we saw was him just going absolutely mad around people's necks with his studs. And there was just no football played for him for ages. Whereas Rasmus has kind of come in the wrong way. He's tried playing football first, when what we really needed was just, yeah, a few bodily assaults. And if it does mean taking the suspension... Um, it's been mentioned, uh, Cameron said, would you give Cody Drama a go at right back? And he is the, the competition there. They should be competing for that place while Luke Ayling is out because it's not as easy as just, you know, it shouldn't be technically as easy as you sign, it's your shirt. There is a player at right back there who can give him a go. And on performances so far, he'd say, well, yeah, maybe Drama is pushing himself forward. But a suspension would make that easier, then we can compare them both. And also we would be better disposed towards Rasmus Christensen if, for example, um, I mean, it sounds like Thomas Tuchel won't be banned for the game on Sunday. So maybe down that touchline, mm. he can just get stuck straight into the manager and make himself a hero. And all like any mistakes so far, which could be just teething troubles, adapting to the Premier League, adapting to a new country, you know, all the, all the things. Forgive all that because Thomas Tuchel is in two pieces. What is the correct number of games to give a player? Because you always reach this point where you can get six or seven and you're thinking maybe it's time they were just dropped and sometimes you get into a, a whole season of someone as as people kind of did with Rodrigo at a point where they were like can we just see someone else please like, I've, had, I've had enough of this guy I don't know what point we, we draw a line obviously it's not two games because that would be incredibly unfair I was going to say I've probably stuck with Rodrigo for about 18 months trying to see the best of him albeit I think because Bielsa was here and whoever Bielsa picked I was like trying to see the best of whereas it eventually got to the point with Rodrigo I was like no, this isn't happening, is it? And likewise with Firpo, to be fair. You know, there is, if people are making the comparison between Firpo and Rasmus right now. But I tried to be nice about Firpo and sort of kept faith with him for a long time. Admittedly, it was still in his first season when I thought, I don't really want to see you play for Leeds again. So I'm hoping Christensen doesn't quite reach those levels. I mean, I'm Rodrigo, actually. Um, Andre from Sydney got in touch said, I'll be interested to hear if you managed to go for more podcasts this week without Rodrigo getting any credit for scoring goals. I think you mentioned it once last week and the match board barely mentioned it. I mean, yeah, it is probably only fair that we do say he's scoring loads of goals, isn't he? One against Wolves, lucky. What's the keeper doing? <laughs> no, no, but he's there, isn't he? He's scoring goals. Well, we his, uh, his movement, his feet to uh, to move into position to shoot against Wolves was really good. Mm. And I'm sure we said on the match ball after Southampton how um, it wasn't, it was a great cross from Jackie Harrison, but then it's a really good finish from uh, Rodrigo that... Um, Bamford had fluffed a similar one, but more difficult from further in front of the post. But Rodrigo, the way he arrived on this is is perfect. Theft for the second one, frankly. I mean, Pascal Stroik <laughs> has, uh, we mentioned Brendan Aronson not getting the assist, but Stroik not getting the goal because this, uh, this guy's stolen it off him. But yeah, three goals, two games, and he's playing all right. I mean, he's mm. scoring goals and it makes it easier to, I can remember the, the first half of this game watching it and thinking, oh, there's, there's some typical Rodrigo stuff going. But if we also get some goals as well as some typical Rodrigo stuff, then don't matter because we're more likely to win. If he wants to transition into Jermaine Beckford, where everyone 
thinks he should run more and do more stuff, but then he also scores like 30 goals in a season. I, I'm comfortable with that as, a, as an option for him. I think part of the reason maybe people still have doubts is because we're used to seeing him not play up front. And you do need someone to do more than, than he does if you're not playing up front. But if, he is up, if he's our striker and he just is scoring a goal every game, I think that's fine. See, seeing how much he scores, uh, how much he enjoys scoring, you just think, well, come on, do more of it then if yeah. you enjoy playing football well and putting the ball in the next. His, his celebration, it was the second, wasn't it, where he ran off kind of dancing, a bit almost Becchio-esque. But yeah, you think, well, come on, do that more then. You can have a nicer time. You've got the captain's armband. It was Jesse before the season, wasn't it? He was saying, it was after his hat-trick against Cagliari, where he said Rodrigo really likes positive reinforcement, but also negative reinforcement, which I'm not really sure what that means. But I think from what we've seen in two and a half years or whatever it is of Rodrigo, he doesn't like negative reinforcement. Maybe he likes playing at number nine, because that's been one of the enduring mysteries is how um, rarely we've seen him there. There's always been somebody else kind of gets the the nod. The the one thing that always consistently counts against him as a nine for us is pressing because he doesn't seem to be very good at that. There's always those clips of just uh, people just strolling past him as he watches um, is always a big problem. So the, the Bamford energy, but then Bamford is kind of unusual in how much enthusiasm he brings to the, the idea of just running from one centre-back to the other trying to get the ball off them. But there does seem to be, he had that spell at the end of his first season where he, he was popping up at nine and started scoring goals. And then here he is at nine and he scores a goal. And yet the initial decision was still to put Dan James there. So you do, it's, it's a strange thing as to why he's down the pecking order for, it would seem more, the way we started the second half felt more intuitively what you would do when Bamford went off if you put Rodrigo to nine Dan James is behind him as one of the wingers and Aronson's uh, with Harrison there as well instead of James at the front and keeping Rodrigo as a 10 I think that's what we see with James is that he just isn't in the right places for a striker quite often like I don't think James is at the near post and I think if he is there he doesn't sweep it in like that Yeah. and I think for the second one even though it was probably going in anyway I don't think he's takes up that position either because it's just not used it's where a striker stands it's not where a winger stands and I think that's why we saw when Gelhart was playing last year as well up front, it was just nice to have a striker stood in strikerish places. So even though Gelhart's just there to tap it in for that late winner against Norwich, he is in the right place for it. And you get the feeling Dan James just isn't. And that's not necessarily his fault, even though he is, as we know, a little scum bastard. But he's he's just not... That's a, his he, fault. That is his fault. He should never have gone there. And he's, as far as I'm aware, he's never apologised for it either. <laughs> uh, Prince of Pessimism... Has said though, I've decided that although he's had a great start to the season, I'm going to continue thinking Rodrigo is shit. Last two seasons, I've said, come on, there's a player there, get behind him, and he was indeed shit. So I'll just continue to think he's a useless lumbering cart horse fucking show pony until the goals dry up. Then I'll get behind him again, and I think that's a fair yeah. fair policy. Is that negative reinforcement? Is that how it means? Is you if you think he's terrible, he starts playing well and he responds to that. Whereas if you start giving him too much positive reinforcement, although. Jesse says both work. So, you'd, so of the two, you'd probably choose the positive, wouldn't you? But you just need to, you can do both at the same time. You do something good, you say, very well done, you get a smarty. And if you do something bad, you get a stick. That's how it works, as I, as I understand it. Bunch of keys at the back. That's, That's the, the negative reinforcement. Pa- parenting with my yeah. <laughs> It's the father of twins. <laughs> Admittedly, they are both out of control monsters. So That is true, yes. Yes, there's, no, there's nothing either way there. There's nothing you can do with them. I just let them run the house more or less. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There were some um, conspiracy theories going around about the uh, Bamford's withdrawal, weren't they? And also the, uh, the Harrison being hung out at at left back, is it Chuck Late Biscuit who puts this into words? Um, no, Chuck Late Biscuit is an altogether more outlandish theory. Oh, should we start with that? Go on, let's start with this. <laughs> all right, lads, Chuck Late Biscuit here. Listen, I've been up all night. I've had a lot of coffee. I've been thinking. I've been, been running the numbers, right? Right. So Jesse, right? He referred to Rodrigo as a number nine, a number nine and a half, and a ten. Right, and if you if you add those all together, you get twenty eight and a half. Okay, now Pat Bamford is twenty eight and a half, sort of. He's almost twenty nine, but twenty eight and a half, right? So, so what does that mean? What does it mean, guys? I mean, it really makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right. That was a lot more complicated than I remembered. <laughs> I was um, because the ones we had from Christie and Scrooge. Oh, I see. I see you skipping past this because you don't want to address the big issue. Were just along the lines of typical that, mainstream media that with Bamford being taken off, um, then it might force some transfer activity, as Christie said, and then the same from Scrooge with the persistence of playing the big pirates at left back <laughs> is all an effort to make the board sign a striker and a left back. But then, yeah, Chuck is Chuck is developing that somewhat beyond just the old. Uh, the Gary Monk protest team. I think Chuck is analysing minute detail on banknotes and things and deciding <laughs> it's all part of a, a bigger conspiracy, isn't it? It's, I mean, the, the the idea of someone being injured and having signed someone, it does go back to this point last season where people were asking for a midfielder and Adam Forshaw was the answer because he was getting fit again. And it sort of worked, mm. but also we could have probably benefited from an extra central midfielder last year. So let's just buy a striker. Yeah, I mean... I've, it's the same every week, isn't it? We need we're trying to find that mythical striker who will happily be third choice, but also will be good. But then if Bamford's groin, Robbie Keane, yeah, <laughs> um, back to his Bayard club. There's got to be somebody. Although um, I noticed uh, Billy B said that the striker absolutely cannot be Shea Adams because he has the same name and the same hairstyle and is the same height as Tyler Adams. So it'd just be too confusing. He says, I've only just got over the Urente Bamford looking like confusing, um, mainly because Bamford never plays. Um, but throwing in too many similar looking players would be um, with the same names 
I think it was Adams was down on the weekend and, and certainly whilst laying down and you could not see the back of his head could have been Rodrigo or it could have been the other way around they've got they've got two similar haircuts too yeah it's this, the, we need more variety of hairstyles this is why the big pirate um, which I, I love him being described so um, stands out but then even then Robin Cock is trying to do the Pascal Stroike look if he starts growing his hair out as well to go mm. with his little uh, Van Dyke facial arrangements <laughs> The uh, the defence does get some uh, mention as well because uh, Llorente and Cocker in both games are kind of just going through as a sort of seven, six and sevens out of ten on the rater while obviously Rasmus Christensen is being, we're trying to get uh, Ariel the Mermaid to just come and get him. But there was a question from a few people asking whether we needed Liam Cooper's leadership back there. This is Adrian. No fancy moustaches with this guy. Pretty disappointed with the result at the end of this match. I was really pleased when they were two 0 up. But what it does make me think, and perhaps you didn't mention it on the square ball, is the fact that it's time we got Cooper back in the team. Seems to me we need that leadership at the back, and the sooner he's fit and playing, the better. What do you think? We saw this at the end of last season, didn't we? People didn't like Cooper until he was out of the team, and then by the end of it, everyone was like, "Oh God, we just need Cooper back." He sorts everything out, and he did make a big difference. So. I think he probably does get back in when yeah. he's fit because we can we can go to him a proper left-sided centre-back. Yeah, I think so. I'll, I'll be, he sounds like he's had an absolutely calamitous summer of getting injured on a treadmill before pre- pre-season training's even started. That's why I avoid him. <laughs> Very dangerous. <laughs> and so they're not training. And then was there another update on him? Marsh said this week that he's picked something up which made it sound like it could either be an injury or a disease. He's been on the docks uh, in Southampton. Yeah, he's picked a virus up. He's literally picked something up and injured his back or something yeah. like that. Um, so but actually, knows? watching the game back, I thought Urente was better than we maybe gave him credit for. There was that... Um, the problem with Urente is that you look at him and he just always looks on the edge of a breakdown, kind of. But then there was the, the last-ditch tackle, which mm. he looked as surprised as anyone at that he'd made. But he did a good job in doing it. But yeah, he, he does... He seemed to make some important interventions, but he just looks chaotic while doing it. It's like in the Wolves game where he's popped up and started doing stepovers by the touchline, which is not something he should be doing, but it worked. So yeah. you've just got to go with your end sometimes and hope for the best, I think. Mm. Brendan, who is Aaron's son, said that we don't draw that game with Cooper at the back. There's no leadership in defence to see us through periods of pressure. And then somebody who's put the name in as a, a bullet point said, why does our team look like boys against men? Where's Norman and Vinny and ha- similar hard men? to impose the team on the opposition. And I think there might be something in this because Llorente is the most experienced player out the back and he's also the most random. And then next to him, Robin Cock is relatively young and certainly has not played the number of Premier League games we would vote for in his time so far. Christensen, fresh to the league, is obviously, he's not taken to it brilliantly, so he needs some time to, to get going. And then Pascal Stroik is trying to be a left-back and he's not. And then in front of them, Tyler Adams is younger than he lets on. And Mark Rocker is... But he's been giving Jesse Marsh tactical there. advice for a decade or so, hasn't he? <laughs> well, how old is Tyler Adams? I think he's not, he, no, he's like 23, isn't he? Or yeah, just, for, he's, just because he started playing when he was uh, 16, he's, he's got... Um, yeah, he's captained the USA, so he's, he's not naive, but he's new here and he's relatively young and Rocker is also new here. So I think... Marsh was correct when he said Adam Forshaw's experience. I know people don't like Forshaw. I thought he was looking really good in pre-season before he got injured again. Um, he seems to be 
first to every second ball. Admittedly, it's against Brisbane or whoever it was. But I thought he could um, take really well to what we were doing this year and still might. And if we do need that experience, leadership, somebody to just say, we are not conceding two goals here. I don't know if your rent is necessarily that person because if he tells you, we are not conceding two goals here, you're probably thinking, well, as long as you don't do anything mad, yeah. And then he's pulling faces with his tongue hanging out. <laughs> That's the thing with Llorente. Even looking at his stuff on Instagram when he's trying to look se- like serious on it, I always think, come on, lay off it. We know what, you, we know what you're like, really. Yeah, he's a strange man because he's both serious and chaotic, which is a strange... Yeah, he does have a really like, stern side to him. Mm. You see it when he's talking to referees. I would... There needs to be like a reality TV show of like a, day of, <laughs> a day in the life of Llorente. I just want to see him making cereal or something. You just can't imagine it goes right. His tackle was really good. One of the few, there's not much, this is a great trail for the next show, not much Southampton propaganda. There's plenty of other propaganda from other clubs who may have had worse weekends, but there's some uh, neutral kids just went with his dad and just filming games from the Southampton end, which is, you know, I suppose it's a hobby. And he filmed Urente's um, tackle from behind that goal and puts a graphic over it going, what a tackle! But then he's saying over it, I can't believe he's not been sent off. That's an outrageous tackle. <laughs> and, uh, and then VAR decides. So he didn't it, seem to know what was going on. Urente did seem to know what was going on. And it was a good tackle. There was a strange bit of VAR, the way you're watching it back and you're going, has he touched their player slightly before he's touched mm. the ball? Because he definitely got the ball, but did he get a bit of player first? And until the decision was given, there was a bit of me thinking he could be off here. It was Still, close. It was close. It was very close. Closer than Rasmus last week that was so good and so clean and should be kept in his credit column. No, nope, he's against, useless. Get rid. <laughs> as against his uh, uselessness. But yeah, he got away with it. He's not really useless, by the way. I know people take this very seriously sometimes. Give him give him another game, I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. Let, let him have one game against Chelsea yeah. to prove himself. <laughs> anyway, we have as I've seen the away kit. Mm, oh, Moscow, your face. Not, not a fan. I did notice it clashed a little bit with Southampton's. Yeah, there was some um, colourblind people have said that wasn't good. I thought I would like it more in the flesh. And when I saw it paired with the dark blue shorts, I thought it might all come together. But it's just it's a, it's just a, a very mealy mouth shade of yellow, isn't it? Mm, it's, it's, it's weird here yellow. there. A bit like the one you've got on now. This is nice. This should this would be a nice Leeds Awake. It's no good for people <laughs> who are listening. But yeah, navy blue with a a little bit of lemon and white piping and a little on, on the pocket as well, on the collar. This oh. <laughs> this would be better. So if Adidas need any advice. I'll pipe you in a minute. That's the old. <laughs> Does this even, <laughs> even Don't even mean? know what that means. Don't even know what that means. Uh, anyway, a couple of people liked it. Chuck Lake Biscuit said he thought it looked much better on the dodgy low resolution stream that he watched. I'm not sure that's necessarily a compliment. I think we're back to negative reinforcement. No, no. <laughs> I think that was, he's saying it didn't look as bad as maybe you'd expected. And and Jelly thinks the Stilton kit in all its glory looked nice. Again, but it's still the Stilton kit. Chuck, Chuck Lake Biscuit, you watching on a dodgy stream? I don't know. Tell us more about this. No one, <laughs> I don't. I don't know of anyone else who does that. So interesting to know that exists as an option. We we turned out better um, in Jake from Florida's view than Ralph Harsenhurdle, who Jake wants to know why he was dressed like a corporate divorced dad who has arrived late to his kid's birthday party and fully intends to leave before it's over. I was a bit intimidated by Hasenhutl at the weekend. I think when he's when he was stripped down to a t-shirt, you could see more the shape of his body, and he's quite a big bloke, isn't he? I was a bit. If he was the, if you're going to go divorce dad, if you're the stepdad and he's the actual dad, you're probably keeping a bit of a distance. <laughs> he's thinking, oh, I could, he could probably deck me this side. Or this fella, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to keep on his right side. 
Jesse's the new dad. <laughs> yeah, I think Hassan Hootler'd have Jesse for breakfast, I've got to be honest. I think Marsh called him a gentle giant or something. Um, well, he's got the piano in his locker, hasn't he? This is it. Not literally. <laughs> but we don't know, he might keep it in a special room just for the piano room. But um, yeah, ditched his um, usual wedding outfit. TJ, uh, TJ also on the Southampton subject was... Uh, thought that we should mention that they snuck in an obviously made up player called Bellend Ketchup. <laughs> yep, yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. All in all then, yeah, the point, wasn't it? Annoying. Yeah, and I think it is, there's, I feel like there's been a lot of um, criticism in the last half hour, but it's very specific stuff and it's all kind of like, it's easy to solve. You just marsh in the next game, make the kind of subs you made against Wolves. That's good. And then Rasmus Christensen, defend better. I think those are the two messages out of the game. And team in general, um, well done for going 2-0 up. And um, we've had, what's 90 plus 60? 150. And then we take out 20 at the start of the second half against Wolves. It's 120. 130. 130. (laughs) So we've had 130 good minutes in the two games so far. 120% is that? Four points, unbeaten. It could be... It could be a lot worse. It's just, it's almost... I think you're right in that there are good things because at the end of last season, we were criticising the team a lot. But it's because we'd watch a full match against like the Palace game or the Southampton game even at home yeah, yeah. where you've sort of watched it and you go, what are we, what are we doing? Like, what's the, what is the plan? I think we can see a plan here. Yeah, It's just not working all the time, which it should. And then we can win the league, which I think is what happens if it always works. <laughs> I think so. Thank you for sending in audio messages anyway. We'll finish on one from Jane. Not happy with my... Rendering of her of her comments last week. This, yes, we we speculated that she was a cowgirl for some reason, just because she was from America and hadn't left a voice message. Dan's not here, so let's say it was him. You, yeah, you, sh- you should read out the message, and then we should play the message and see if the audience can guess <laughs> who is who. It was when you when you first put this um, this clip on for us to listen to. I did wonder if it was you on the wind up. I was like, this is just. This is just Michael pretending to phone in. Anyway, she's got a nice voice and she mentions you, Mosca. Oh, really? Hey, guys, this is Cowgirl Jane. Um, obviously, I'm not actually a cowgirl. I'm also not a New York gangster, which seems like the only other kind of American accent y'all are familiar with. Um, I do say y'all because I live in Tennessee, but I am scared of cows, so not a cowgirl. Um, I was not going to make an audio clip ever because I'm only funny in writing, but Moscow specifically requested it. So here you go. Now my voice has been exposed. I'm going to go have a strop about it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks for your work, you guys. You make it much less painful to be a Leeds fan than it would be otherwise. Cows last year, three deaths, 40 serious injuries. And 37 lesser injuries. That's not much. In America? In the UK. Uh, well, you've got to multiply that because there'll be more cows in America because there's and more room. And they've got guns. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> if we're going to fall back on some 
Lazy, lazy stereotypes, <laughs> which we like to do mm-hmm. sometimes. But it's always a pleasure to be called Moscow. Moscow, yeah, I did, yeah, I did enjoy that. I miss that sometimes, so that's good. Thank you, Jane, for the Moscow. And I do a whole range of American accents. I just don't know where they're all from. <laughs> I can't place them necessarily. They're just bits of various characters that may be blended together. And uh, a cowgirl, or sorry, not a cowgirl, but does say y'all. Mm. And then fear of cows sounds like a... A reverse cowgirl. Protesting too much, I think. <laughs> we'll finish on that then. <laughs> That's it for Leeds fans, Southampton fans still to come. You've been looking at Southampton fans because I've been speaking to Phil Hay. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have spoken to Phil, really. Um, (laughs) We'll be honest about the next episode of Propaganda. The Southampton fans, pretty boring. But there's plenty of other stuff that happened this weekend that makes up for it, isn't there? And I think we will probably conform to how people are imagining they would like things to sound. (laughs) It's a complicated way of saying it, but yes. It's going to be good. Crying scummers. I'll speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. 